0: Okay, you guys, here we go. She runs Ultra's episode number 75. I seriously can't believe we are already at the 75th episode, you guys. And in this one, we're going to piggyback off the previous Run Your First 50K series and talk about something that can sort of be like a real head scratcher when you're first starting out in ultras or or really just in running in general. And that topic is how soon after one race should you do another, right? So should you do like a bunch of them really close together or should you just space them out? And I'm going to get to that. I'm going to tell you sort of my system for deciphering how you should do that. But first I want to sort of tell you a story about how I ended up coming to this conclusion and how I sort of map out my training and what I offer my clients, both in the group setting, as well as in one-on-one. So back when I first started running road marathons, which is I think how most people start out, right? Just running on the roads, working from 5k all the way up to marathon. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Back when I first started doing that, I did one race per year. That's it. And If I'm being honest, it was all I could do to finish just that one race. Because by the time race day came around, I was quite literally teetering on the brink of not only mental, but physical and emotional exhaustion. Um, And by the time the race was over, I was completely tapped out. Like I couldn't possibly see how I could run any more, like more days, beyond the race or any further on the actual race day like i was just tapped i was done and in most of my post race pictures from back then you can see it it's like all over my face i might be smiling in one of them i think i'm eating a popsicle i think that was after my first one in arizona but you could see it like if you're if you're aware you can sort of see the exhaustion in my face and You know, now in hindsight, I realized that the way that I was training was all wrong, (laughs) right? Everything I tell you guys not to do is, is basically what I did back in the day. And there were things that I should have been doing that I wasn't. Um, there were things that I shouldn't have been doing that I was and stuff that I didn't even know, right? You don't know what you don't know. And quite honestly, sometimes I hate to even think about it or go back there in my brain because all I can see it as is one big clusterfuck, but I know now that I had to go through that stuff and I sort of had to learn the lessons the hard way oftentimes so that I can get to this place where I can, you know, do all of these fun and amazing things and do all of these crazy long races, as well as share all of my learnings with you guys. Because again... The whole point of this podcast is to sort of document my process and share what I'm learning along the way, but also to shorten the learning curve for you guys. Okay. There are still going to be some hard lessons that you're going to have to learn along the way, some stuff that you're going to try and you're going to fail. And that's great because that's how you learn. But overall, I want to sort of narrow down the options to sort of point you in the right direction so that you don't have to spin your wheels and spend a ton of time thinking, Oh, should I, shouldn't I, what about this? What about that? You know, all those things. Okay. So that's the whole point. That's the point of the podcast. So realistically it should have come as no surprise that I was only able to manage one race per year. And honestly, that's all I really saw other people doing too. And I wasn't really into the running scene when I first started, but again, if you sort of think back to, I'm betting there's a time when you thought that the race distance, that's sort of like a no brainer for you now was like the main event for you back then. Okay. So that's sort of how I felt about the marathon. Now, Fast forward 10 or so years, and my training has totally shifted to the point where now I can routinely do two to three, maybe sometimes even four big races a year without breaking a sweat. Not literally. <laughs> But figuratively, right? Like I understand the mechanics of how to do that and how to train appropriately so that I don't end up in that same sort of mental, physical, and emotional, exhausted, just completely tapped out, hate my life sort of place that I used to be way back when. And one of the biggest challenges for me when I got into ultras and actually started training the right way was how do I orchestrate multiple races per year from a training perspective? Because again, think back to the, the stone ages when I first started, I just knew how to do one race a year. That was it. I didn't even know how to sort of build in smaller races to get me to my bigger race, but we'll get to that in a second, right? And this question has actually come up three times this week, like how do I... Stack my races. Like how do I put this thing together? Like twice from podcast listeners reaching out. So good on you guys for reaching out because when you ask questions, you typically get podcast episodes all about them and it has come up in the run your first 50 K group as well. So obviously I'm going to answer it here to help shorten the learning curve for you guys. So if you have wondered how to train for multiple races per year and specifically how far apart your races should be, this one is for you. So when you're first starting out, it can be tough to figure out not only how many races to do each year, but how far apart they should be spaced. And especially if you're new and all you have is just this one big race that you have your sights set on, it can be hard to see how you might want to fit in other races that lead up to it, like I sort of alluded to, or how you would ever even do more than just your big, what we would call like an A priority race. So the, the two basic ways that you can do that, or the two different schools of thought is you either like, do you do them back to back or do you put some space between them? And sort of the way that I see it is there's two different options when it comes to trying to do multiple races for a year. And these are my affectionate turns terms for them. You either stack them up, or you spread them out. Okay. So when I talk to clients and when I talk to people, I'm like, okay, what's our strategy going to be? Are we going to stack them up? Or are we going to spread them out? Okay. And neither one, I just want to say as a caveat, neither one of these is the air quotes official right way to go, but there are some specific reasons why you would choose one over the other. And a lot of them, It really comes down to personal preference too. Okay. So again, there's no one right way, but we're going to sort of walk through them so that you can decide which option is right for you. So let's start with stack them up. And I guess what I really want to do first is um, like define what I mean when I say stack them up. All right. So when I say that, I mean that you're going to build races into your plan so that they ascend in distance. So they go from the lowest mileage to the greatest mileage, and they are no less than four weeks apart and no more than eight weeks apart. Okay. They ascend in distance. They're no less than four weeks and no more than eight weeks apart. Okay. And here are three reasons why you would choose to stack your races. Now, there are m- probably more reasons than this, but these are three of the big ones that I always come back to when I'm trying to sort of filter the decision about whether I want to stack or spread them out, okay? So the first one is your existing fitness. You've already put in 20 weeks of training to get to your A priority race. So it makes sense t- that you would sort of ride that wave into your second race. And this sort of assumes that you want to do another race after your big race, but you can sort of flip it around and this will tell you how to start to work in races from smaller distance to larger distance. Because remember, I said you want to make them ascending. So if you want to say, do your first 50K, then you'll probably want to schedule yourself Uh, a half marathon, maybe even a marathon along the pathway to getting to your first 50K. And you're going to make sure that they are no less than four weeks apart and no more than eight weeks apart so that you can keep them in this confined time frame, right, of this 20 to 24 weeks so that you take advantage of your existing fitness and it builds along the way. Okay. Uh, reason number two uh, for why you would want to stack them up is that you've got a limited time to train. So if you've got a finite amount of time to train because you have other commitments like, I don't know, work that whole work thing really gets in the way of running. Sometimes (laughs) work, family, you have to travel for work or family. Um, if you have, I don't know, there's like all sorts of like reasons why you would have a finite amount. Maybe you actually, and I know many people that do this, they sort of swap training time with their partner or their spouse. So one person has, maybe the front half of the year, the other person has the back half of the year so that you can sort of trade off on other duties. Um, If you've got a finite amount of time to train and you want to do multiple races, then you have kind of no choice but to stack them in order to make the most of all of your training time throughout the year. So if that's the case and you have the first six months of the year, you sort of have to find races that fall within that time of year. Okay. So that's sort of, you know, that's, that's actually probably one of the bigger reasons because, and this actually sort of, I'll just go to the next one because it actually leads into the next reason, which is thing number three, the physical wear and tear. So the longer you train, meaning the longer, uh, the, the more days, weeks, and months over the course of the year that you train, the more likely you are to develop an overuse injury especially if you're training like I was way back in the day, right? And not making strength or mobility or cross training or rest or recovery or fun part of your plan. And you're just grinding away. um, Then you're more likely to develop some of these overuse injuries or just a flat out injury, right? Just a flat out trip and fall that results in an injury, or any number of possible permutations. So stacking your races and making sure that you're incorporating those six pillars of ultra training that I sort of just alluded to means that um, that finite training window is more productive and you'll have less of an opportunity to sort of stretch things out and develop an overuse injury because you're just grinding away for months and months and months on end, okay? So like I said, there are many other reasons why you would choose to stack your races, but these are three pretty big, significant ones that you'll want to take into account. All right, let's flip it around and talk about why you would or would want to space your races out. And just like before, let's sort of define what spreading them out means or spacing them out. And so when I say that, I'm, I mean that you're going to build them into your training plan so that they are a full 16 to 24 week training cycle apart from one another. So it's the complete opposite of what we were talking about before when we said um, stack them up together. And just like before, we're gonna go through three different reasons why it would make sense for you to choose to spread your races out. And you you might notice a theme here, okay? The first one is limited time to train. <laughs> we just talked about this, but there's a different way to think about it. So if you've got a finite amount of time to train each year, maybe even less than you had in the previous example, then spacing out your races might be the best way to go. And then this way you can devote hundred percent focus and attention to that one race and really nail it. Okay. So if you have a limited time to train and you really want to go all in on that one race and knock it out of the park, then spacing out your races, maybe they are, you know, you do one a year, like I talked about before, or maybe you do two a year and it's one in the spring and one in the fall. And you've got lots of time in between to sort of take a rest, come down, recuperate, and then start the whole training cycle all over again. Reason number two is that if you are new to the sport, especially if you're new to running and running ultras, spacing out your races so that you have more time to acclimate to running trails and the longer distance is a really smart way to go. I think one of the things that sort of gets people... When they first start out, is the idea that they see so many people doing all these different races and they feel like they should do a bunch, right? You don't want to be left out. And I totally get that. But if you're new, your body's going to need time to sort of get up to speed, so to speak. You're going to need to figure out how to spend more time on your feet, what that means for you the subsequent days after your long runs and your energy levels, like all of the things, right? You need time to just sort of ease yourself in. So that's why, uh, or at least I should say, that's a reason why you would want to space out your races and not stack them up and get them really close together. And then the last one sort of dovetails into the previous one. Reason number three, why you would want to spread your races out is so that you get adequate rest and recovery. Same thing like as the last, the previous one, if you're new to running, if you're new to running ultra specifically, spacing out your races will give you and your body the most and most adequate time to rest and recover before you gear up to tackle your next one. And over time, you'll be able to build up to doing more than one race per year. But I think again, this is something that people try to shortcut or they try to condense the timeline and they end up developing some of these overuse injuries because they're not a building enough adequate rest into their training plan on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, but then they're trying to cram in at just a shit ton of races, and it's just not feasible. They're trying to do one like every other weekend, and that's sort of a recipe for disaster until you get to such a point where you've got time under your belt, you've built up your time on your feet, and your body is more physically resilient and adjusted to that level of effort, that scope of work. So adequate rest and recovery is another reason for why you would choose to spread your races out. Now, ideally, this is my training plan. This is my opportunity to make a pitch for training plans again. But ideally, you would make these decisions at the beginning of the year while you're creating what I would call your annual training plan, right? The thing that's going to map out your training for the whole entire year and doing it this way will help you to sort of see the bigger picture when it comes to what races make sense and which ones don't. Okay. But if a race pops up mid season that you really want to do, you can use the reasons that I've laid out here to sort of help you make a smart decision about whether or not to do it. All right. But, but I would really highly encourage you to, you know, start to do some research for even next year, like make yourself a little list of all the races that you see that you're most interested in, when they are, because typically if a race is going to be offered the next year, um, it's probably gonna happen within one or two weeks of the current weekend, because that's really what sort of works well for race directors. They don't wanna keep switching race weekends up so that you have no consistency and no idea when their race is happening. So you can sort of estimate race A that you wanted to do for next year is going to be roughly around the same time. And then race B is going to be, you know, X number of weeks after or before. And so you can start to map out what your year is going to look like even a year in advance. Okay. And then that's going to help to inform you going forwards, right? And you can start to make these smarter, bigger picture decisions. Now, one quick thing I want to throw in here. And I alluded to this earlier, but I want to sort of circle back and touch on it again, because I think it's really, really important. Just because you see other people doing two, three, four, five, six, ten, 10, or more races per year does not mean that you have to do that too. All right. Last year, last year. Yeah. Last year, I noticed this trend in my group coaching programs where runners were getting talked into. AKA in many cases, guilted into doing more or longer races than they wanted to do, or than they were ready to do by friends or family or running buddies or running groups or whatever. Now, I'm all for the good kind of peer pressure that keeps you from getting stuck in a rut and doing the same races and never expanding and never growing and challenging yourself. But there's a point at which this behavior sort of switches over into being detrimental to your run training and your physical well-being. All right. So just keep that in mind the next time your friend suggests a race, like, and again, not that I want to keep beating the same drum, but I do because I want you to understand this. Like this is why having a training plan is so important because if you map out your training at the beginning of the year, you can see how it logically makes sense from one thing to the next, to the next. If you're sort of winging it, and you're just sort of loosely training until someone taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, this would make a really great race for you to do. And then you sort of whip yourself up into a frenzy and try to figure out how to reorient yourself towards that goal. And then, you know, while you're doing that, another friend taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, but what about this over here? And then you're like, oh, shiny object. That sounds really cool too. And then your brain is just going haywire with how to make this all happen. If you sort of hit pause made some notes about those races and then went back because you had a training plan to compare it to you could see okay does this make sense run it through the filters that we just talked about don't just sort of make a like a snap decision and say yes before you really understand how it's going to fit in because it might work but it also might not and especially if you have a big Um, a big goal to run your first ultra, your farthest ultra, whatever it might be, if that other race doesn't fit in and meet the criteria that we laid out above, I would ditch it. And that's not to say that you can't do it next year or you don't want to ever do another race with that friend or whomever. Because I think oftentimes we say yes to these things because we don't want to disappoint anyone. We don't want them to think that we don't want to run with them or we don't like their suggestion, the whole nine yards. But really, it comes down to needing to do what works for you. Okay. And I know this is tough because I'm a chronic people pleaser myself. And I just really try to think about what's going to be best for what I want to do. Because at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to go home and be like, hmm that was not a very good decision. (laughs) Like maybe Megan next time we might want to do the opposite. Now it's funny because I was actually just having a conversation with a client this morning about sort of this very same thing. Like she's going to be doing her farthest race in a couple weeks. And a friend of hers is doing that very same race. And the friend who's a little bit faster assumed that they would be running together, even though, like I said, they have different paces and it was through sort of some like soul searching that my client, um, had a conversation with the friend and just sort of laid it out and said like, Hey, I'm super excited that we're both going to do this race, but just so you know, I need to run at my pace Like if you want to run with me, that's great. If you want to go ahead and do your own thing, that's great too. But like I, because for me, this is like a significant event and I want to do it in the way that I've been training and practicing to achieve my goals. That means that we sort of have to separate a little bit. You do your thing. You I'll do mine. If our paths cross, that's great. And it actually worked out really nice because the friend was like, yeah, I totally get that. Right. And so that's just a really good example of advocating for yourself and your goals when it comes to running and again I say this because (laughs) I'm a chronic people pleaser and I'm gonna guess that maybe a lot of you guys are too and we don't want to offend or annoy or disappoint people but realistically we got into this for ourselves and so we should honor that and like do what works for us and not really worry too much about what other people think (laughs) okay so just put that out there um All right. So maybe listen to that one more time through, make some notes, jot them down, keep it someplace safe, bookmark, save this episode so that the next time someone taps you on the shoulder and says, Hey, what about this race? You can come back and listen and sort of filter. Okay. Ideally you have a training plan that will help you to do this filtering too, but I do think it's good to come back and listen to the parameters for stack them up and space them out. All right. That's all for this episode, you guys, but before I let you go, I want to let you in on a little secret. Are you ready? <laughs> I have a new goal. <laughs> it's not a running related one, but it's actually a podcast related one. Now, Most of you guys know, I mentioned it at the very beginning of this episode, that I'm on a mission to help more people, especially women, do their first ultra. And every episode that I do is focused on sharing information and stories and bringing guests that will help you achieve that goal or help more people achieve that goal of doing their first ultra. And at the time that I'm recording this, we are at a little over 51,000 downloads for the podcast over the course of the last 75 episodes which is freaking amazing you guys because when I started this thing I had no idea if anyone would listen at all I felt like maybe I would be one of those people that like started a podcast and it would just like die in silence like no like nobody would listen to it and so to have it hit 51,000 downloads is sort of mind-blowing um And so I have decided to set myself a new goal that with a little over six months left in 2022, my new goal is to hit 100,000 downloads before the end of the year. So basically, we're going to try and double what we did all of last year and condense it into six months. So we have 33 weeks to hit 100K. And I say we, because I'm going to recruit you for a little bit of help. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm hoping you have, but... I've made it a point not to have sponsors on this show. When I first started listening to podcasts, I was so excited about it. It was like the best thing ever because back when I first started, there weren't any ads. Like You were just getting straight information and I felt like it was a condensed way to sort of skyrocket yourself or like hyper boost to getting to where you wanted to go. Nowadays, you have to sit through like... I can think of some podcasts that I just fast forward through the first 10 minutes that are all just ads, right? And I think it's annoying as fuck to sit through millions of ads. Now I get why people do it and I don't begrudge them that decision at all, but I feel like there are just very few places that you can go these days and not be bombarded with ads for all the most random shit in the world, okay? So I'm committed to making this, she runs ultras, an ad-free space forever. And all I ask in return is that you share the show and help me accomplish my goals. First and foremost, my goal of helping more people, especially women, to do their first ultra by producing the show and the content and sharing all of the valuable tools and resources that are here. And second, I just want to hit 100,000 downloads by December 31st, 2022, right? I thrive on goals. Not that I wouldn't be creating the most epic podcast ever if I didn't have this goal, but I just think it's sort of fun, right? It's the whole reason I'm continuing to do ultras. Like I just do better when I have a goal. Now, I think that's a pretty fair Value exchange, no ads, for your help in helping me to grow the show. So, if you like it, if you got value from it, if you learned something, if it helped you sort out your training, if it inspired you to get a training plan or inspired you to keep going when things got tough, then all I ask is that you share the show. You can share the whole show, the whole thread, or you could share the specific episode that you got the most value from. Okay. And if you share on Instagram, make sure that you tag me at Ultra, um, so that I can thank you as well as keep track because I have some ideas brewing for how to reward those of you that share the show the most. All right. Now, I just want to thank those of you guys that have reached out and asked how my Tahoe training is going. Um, as of today, I have 38 days left the day that I'm recording this, which is Wednesday, Um, 38 days left. So time is steadily ticking down by crossing over into the 30s. That was sort of like a big threshold for me because Now, shit's getting real. (laughs) Like, I have, I'm within sort of like the 30 ish day window until Tahoe. So, I've got a training episode, uh, a training update episode, I should say, planned, as well as a really fun one for the week that I'm away. So, be on the lookout for those, okay? But for now, enjoy this beat, and I will see you all soon.